0: finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game, this is Millennium Money, and today we're talking crowdfunding your dreams.
1: I've been told to walk away nearly every time I make an album. I hear there's no good men left, everyone in Nashville's death. That songs are a fine
0: of All right so the question really is you know is crowdfunding still a very viable method for you to actually fund your dreams. And even a few years ago, you know, when Kickstarter was really starting, I mean, it was the place to be, you know, you, you launched a Kickstarter campaign and, you know, you got your friends and family and a bunch of people to share and follow. And before you know, you actually hit your goal and, you know, bang, your dream was funded. And, you know, these days, a lot of people are arguing that crowdfunding is really, it's oversaturated, right? Everybody is launching something on Kickstarter or uh, a platform that's like Kickstarter And it's tough to get an audience. It's tough to get your um, whatever whatever you're trying to fund on Kickstarter. It's tough to get the funds these days because everybody's like, oh, yeah, Kickstarter. I know about Kickstarter. And, you know, I did that in the past, but, you know, I'm not interested in doing it that now. But today we've got two really interesting stories that we want to share with you. Uh, Tatiana Moroz and Austin Lucas, and both are music artists who have turned to crowdfunding to – you know, launch projects, launch albums in really interesting ways. Tatiana is actually raising money for her tour through crowdfunding, but very uniquely, she's creating her own Bitcoin currency, the Tatiana coin. And she already uh, launched an album in which she raised money for. And so this is kind of her new venture. And She's gonna talk a lot about, you know, the Bitcoin and creating her own coin and the different process that she went through uh, to do that. I found it really fascinating. I mean Bitcoin is kind of this alternate currency and you know there's a lot of been there's a lot of speculation over whether you know it was gonna take off or not take off. And so it'll be really interesting to kind of hear her take on that and how she's using that platform to raise money for a tour. And then uh, Austin is crowdfunding for an album, and he's also doing, you know, really unique things by playing in homes and really intimate venues for those people who donate and for fans. He's got a tour launching on March 10th, and so he's turned to crowdfunding to to help him raise money for that. And, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting to hear stories like this because there's lots of different projects and uh, even company launches you know that have turned to crowdfunding and i think you know raising money as an as an artist as a musician crowdfunding is a really interesting way to go about getting the funds because you know there's there's something really neat about interacting with a musician in a crowdfunding campaign a lot of times you know, they'll go play private uh, concerts for donors, or you'll get an advanced copy of the album, or you get a t-shirt, some swag, whatever it may be. But I think it's a really interesting way to connect with an audience. Um, I was just watching... A show on CBS the other day, and the the singer Ed Sheeran, you probably have heard of Ed Sheeran. Um, he actually launched his whole career through MySpace. Remember MySpace, kind of back in the day. He used MySpace to actually distribute his his songs, and he started making revenue. He started getting quite a following, and so it really wasn't until you know he got to a point where in his career, where he was like, okay, I actually have to turn to. Um, you know, the studios, the record companies, so that they can help me with distribution. He didn't need their money. He didn't need their PR. He didn't need any of that, right? But he actually needed them for distribution to to get his albums to a much wider audience. So, you know, even somebody like that, who has a really big following, has used kind of this alternate way that wasn't crowdfunding back then, but it was actually in a way, right? Because people were sharing his music And people were buying his CDs, and they weren't buying them through, you know, uh, Amazon or a record store or whatever it may be. I know those don't really exist anymore. So um, I hope that you really enjoy these interviews. I think it's two really interesting takes on ways that you can actually crowdfund your dreams. As, like,
2: an artist here in New York, I found it to be a very difficult kind of challenging thing to, to make a living doing music. And I was always really interested in... Kind of music to save the world, kind of uh, based on that 60s and 70s singer songwriter rebel spirit. But my own generation didn't really have much of that. So then in 2012, I started doing all this libertarian kind of music because I found out about the Federal Reserve. I became very interested in Austrian economics. And eventually, um, in uh, August of 2012, I bought my first bitcoins. And when I got into Bitcoin, I didn't really like it at first because obviously it's technology, and even though I I knew about the dangers of uh, central banking, I didn't really, um, you know, care that much about Bitcoin anyway because I thought it was tech. Um, Once I understood a little bit more about what it could do, I decided to write a Bitcoin jingle about it, and then subsequently I got enough support from the community to create the first-ever Artist Cryptocurrency. And the main component of how it functions is it replaces crowdfunding um, on the initial level. So if you want to do a regular crowdfund on Kickstarter, you're kind of limited because you have to do it during their time frame. They set the rules um, and, you know, they take a percentage or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, and also you get kind of like a fixed prize. So if you donate $50, you get a t-shirt and if you don't like the t-shirt, well, tough luck, you know, that's... You know, just that's the prize and that's it. Um, so with Tatiana Coin, what we're issuing them is a digital gift certificate, a token, a representation of value in my Tatiana Coin store. So they're getting something that's transferable. Um, so let's say in two years you don't, you never used it, and you're like, oh, what am I going to do with this thing? I just want to get rid of it. You can actually sell it. Um, or you can give it away to somebody. You can break it up into little pieces, and, you know, let's say you got $50 worth, and you want to send it around to, like, five different friends. You could do that, which, of course, you couldn't do previously. Um, But then we also opened up several other kinds of functionality as a result. Um, So we have a direct messaging layer. so It's become a little bit almost like a super fan club. Um, So between the direct messaging layer, you know, discounted merchandise, exclusive uh, experiences, exclusive um, events uh, and content, and then also the ability to share music with your friends in a way that we haven't been able to do since uh, the record label days. Uh, So with records, you know, you could buy a record at the store and then you could take it home and you could sell it or you could give it to your friend, you could lend it to somebody, whatever. Um, but with the advent of the digital age, we've lost scarcity for um, for music. And when you buy music from iTunes, for example, all you can really do is you can listen to it and you can post about it. You can't share it, you can't sell it, you can't do anything with it, right? Right. right. Um, so by using the blockchain, we've created these digital finite representations of albums that are tradable, that are rentable even, like you can, through our system, even you know do a playlist and then, as people play your music or your friend's music, you, you can make money in addition to the artist making music. So it's almost like turning everybody into these little like, radio stations. Um, so yeah, so it's not just a currency, it's not just a way of fundraising, but it's also a way of gamifying like, the fan experience.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. And so what, what, right now, what are you raising the funds for?
2: Um, So we put out, like, I I recorded the third album, and now I need to print it and I need to finish, you know, some of the expenses associated with putting it out, and then I'm funding a tour where I'm going to be traveling. I mean, I'm always kind of on tour, so, you know, but uh, this summer I'm going to be in Europe, and then in the fall it should be Latin America as well. So um, I'm also doing a series of different events as I travel around, sort of educating people about not only cryptocurrency, but also helping other artists sign up and and teaching them about how they can use this technology because, you know, of course I wanted to do this for helping myself, but I also saw that this was a problem that other artists were facing and potentially they could be getting funding from their community and and giving them back value with the eventual goal of uh, having actual, like, institutional funding. So if you're a good artist and you start out and you don't have enough fans to actually get your album done, that doesn't mean you're a bad artist. It just means that you don't have enough funding behind you. So if we can make it kind of commercially viable, that would be a next step I'd like to see the, the platform going. So this way we could actually, you know, because the record label provides something that's very important. They provide the funding, right? But the problem is they're the only game in town. So they have a, a bad deal for artists. And if you could make it something almost like anybody can invest and actually make a return on investing in an artist uh, versus right now there's a way to sort of make money because you view it almost as a baseball card, right, because the collectible items accrue value over time, especially if they're related to, you know, something like this, like a music thing. Um, But that is not really, like, the main value proposition, whereas I think eventually that might be a good way to kind of expand that ecosystem,
3: data. Gotcha. Well, for those who don't really know what like Bitcoin or, or this currency thing is, what what exactly is it and wh- and what does it do?
2: What, Bitcoin itself?
3: Yeah, for those of you that are not aware.
2: No, 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 that's fine. So yeah. basically, um, do you want me to tell you this now or do we want to talk about it on the show? No, go actually
3: go, we'll just keep uh, we'll just use what we're doing right now.
2: Oh, okay, cool. That's fine. Yeah,
3: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically... We're, you're, you're too fascinating, so...
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, I mean, this stuff, it, it does get a little bit in-depth, so I'm happy to happy to explain whatever yeah. is needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, when I first heard about Bitcoin, I didn't really want to hear about it because I didn't understand why we would need a different money compared to the dollar. Um, it's good to have competition overall, but it wasn't something that really registered with me. Uh and the thing about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is that it's not just money. It's actually a protocol, it's a system, it's a way of sending money around. So when people talk about Bitcoin, they talk about not just the unit of value, but also the system that it kind of runs on. Um so one Bitcoin, let's let's make it as simple as possible right now, as a unit of currency, is worth thirteen hundred dollars. I think it's like twelve eighty, twelve ninety today, I don't remember. Uh, but let's say 1300 bucks. Now, when I first bought my Bitcoin, they were worth $11, and that was in 2014. And when they first came out, they were worth, you know, like pennies. Um, but Bitcoin has become more valuable because it kind of is a currency that belongs to everybody. So it's not issued by a country. It's not issued by a central bank. It's money that's secured by cryptographic uh, algorithms and all these different computers are basically doing the same math problem to make sure that nobody's cheating. So even though that sounds really complicated, essentially what it does is it makes it really secure money and it makes it really transparent. And if you have a regular government printing money, let's say the Federal Reserve, every time the government wants to do something that's not popular with the people, they'll call the Federal Reserve and they'll say, hey, print some more money, because if they ask for taxes, they're not going to get voted in. Uh so the Federal Reserve prints money and that's bad for regular people because if you have let's say a thousand dollars in the bank one year, if the Federal Reserve prints money the next year that money is gonna be it's gonna have less purchasing power, you're gonna have less value. Um, and that over long term is very dangerous for people. Now in the US we have a pretty stable economy, but in a country like Argentina you know, one day their money could inflate 30%, and then all of a sudden your your $1,000 is now only worth 700 pesos worth of stuff. You know, I know I switched. So obviously that's really dangerous for people, but what's cool about Bitcoin is that there's no master, there's no central authority, there's no boss, there's no CEO of Bitcoin. It's just a mathematical protocol that's not able to be broken. So what's cool about it is, I want to send money to Africa, let's say, right? If I want to send money, I have to go to Western Union. It's really annoying. I have to bring all this ID. They take 10, 20, sometimes 30% just to send the money, and it takes days to get there. With Bitcoin, I can send money directly to somebody. They don't even have to have a bank account. All they have to have is an SMS phone, and I could send them a message, and then they would have money in 30 minutes for, like, 25 cents. I could send them a million dollars and it would only cost, you know, a very, very small amount of money, less than a dollar. And, you know, compared to the cost of sending a wire, this is a really big game changer. And now what I've done is I've basically given the power of banking and financial services to two billion people. I haven't done this Bitcoin done (laughs) this. It's given banking services to two billion people worldwide that can't get access to banking. And if you're poor You need access to banking so you can start a business, so you can dig yourself out of the hole. You can't just keep your money under your mattress. Somebody's going to hit you over the head and take it. Um, So the other thing that Bitcoin allows you to do is, like, this thing called the blockchain. You've probably heard about it. And what it is is it's a a double-entry accounting system, sort of like a public ledger, where you can see all of these different transactions. That's how you you keep the money secure. Remember I was talking about transparency? But what you can also do is as you're putting things on this blockchain, you can also put information on there. So people can make contracts and property rights, and, for example, musicians, they can register their work on this blockchain, Mm. and it's this place that's tamper-proof. So people can't go in and mess with your information. Uh. Now... Why is that important? Well, I'll give you an example. So 70% of the world's people who have property, they don't have it registered anywhere. So that means that some guy can come in and say, hey, this is my land, get out of here, and kick them out because they don't have title. But if people were putting all their title on the blockchain, it would be an immutable ledger where people can store that information and nobody can mess with you and take your stuff. Um, without, you know, making making an adjustment to the to the blockchain where everybody will see it. Right. So these are just kind of the beginning of, mm-hmm. of what this technology will enable. But for most people, I think using it as money is really cool and as a way to keep connected with your fans is the way that I've chosen to use it.
3: Right, right. Well, and for those who are maybe not familiar with the music, can you describe uh, the sound of your music?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. So my music, uh, you know, it's always hard as an artist to say, oh, what do you sound like? But I think there's a little bit of a Ryan Adams feel to it, a little bit of a Fiona Apple kind of vibe. But essentially, it's singer-songwriter folk music um, that hopes to appeal to a lot of different people. Um, I was very influenced by those 60s and 70s singer-songwriters. And, you know, I do travel around, girl with a guitar, so... Uh, I think people will like it, though. There's people that have called it sultry <laughs> um, because there's there's a bit of a blues influence yeah. there, and, and it's pretty soulful, I would say.
3: What, well, so what do fans get out of this uh, when if they uh, if they invest in, in uh, your Tatiana coin?
2: Uh, well, they would get a lot of first access to different kinds of content that I'm making. They get that messaging layer, and... We're not launching the platform officially until probably April, uh, maybe a little bit sooner, but April is where we're aiming for, and people will be able to interact with each other, stream music, communicate with other fans, and get those kind of VIP experiences that I'm only going to be offering in there, in addition to getting exclusive gear and uh, and also getting to be a part of what I I consider to be a revolution to free the art. Uh, and music has become very controlled, and it oftentimes reflects, you know, I'm not one of these people who thinks all corporations are bad or something, but when you have corporate interests uh, involved with the arts, it sort of stifles the creativity, and uh, I think that this will empower artists to maybe reflect communities uh, a little bit more directly versus having to go to a larger company that may not necessarily let them speak out about the issues that are important to them.
3: And do you you think this is like something other artists are actually going to be doing more? Because, I mean, I've spoken to a couple already, but uh, do you think this is something more artists, like singers and whatnot, are are going to be doing?
2: I think that artists are natural entrepreneurs, so I absolutely uh, foresee them using it. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, when you're dealing with a new technology, there are some hiccups that go along with it. But I think that that entrepreneurial spirit is really strong in the arts community, and and I think that there, there are distinct problems that we're solving uh, in a way that's exciting and uh, inclusive, and I think that they're going to want to be a part of it. I hope so, anyway. Uh, I think there's been a lot of interest right now in blockchain, and, you know, this is the the new new cool thing, which is funny since it wasn't always that way. It was a bit of a struggle getting people to understand it, but... Now it's become a little bit more mainstream, and I think that artists are going to continue to be on the cutting edge and, and get involved.
3: Okay. And, and uh, So when is your, your deadline that you're, you're raising the funds right now? That you, and, this, and that's what you said you're going to launch in April?
2: Um, so the album comes out March 31st. We just put out a new single on uh, Friday the 3rd. Uh, called "Safe with You," so that's the first non Bitcoinish song that's from the record. I know that I used, you know, Bitcoin for the record, but they're not all Bitcoin songs at all. I don't think that will be a very good album. <laughs> um, but uh, the campaign ends on March 11th, which is this Saturday, and you know, if I I might extend it, I'm not really sure yet. But either way, the album will be out March 31st, and if people can donate, this is the week to do it. Um and yeah I look forward to to engaging with people on it hopefully and and checking out having them check out the platform and let me know what they think.
3: Uh so where we, where can we find your campaign information and your music as well?
2: Sure. Uh, people can go to tatianacoin.com and they can buy all my music there. There's all sorts of videos. I also have a podcast called The Tatiana Show. And it's focused uh, predominantly on sort of political activism, um, social activism, and, of course, cryptocurrency. So people can learn about it in a way that's hopefully not threatening. Um, Like I said before, I'm not the most technical person, but I think that's an advantage when doing a podcast about a new technology that people have to sort of get get used to and, and hopefully not intimidated by.
0: All right. So now we have our chat with Austin Lucas about his crowdfunding campaign.
1: I am looking to come into your personal space. Uh, I mean, when I say that, my my the tour is called the House by House Tour. And the main portion of the crowdfunding is a tour of house concerts. So basically, um I reached out to fans and I found really nice living rooms in a lot of different major markets across the United States. and also, Uh, I'm actually adding some dates in Europe as well here pretty soon. Um, but, uh, basically I just found nice places, uh, people with nice living rooms, a lot of them with good acoustics. I'm playing actually also in some, some lived in studios as well, uh, recording studios, I should say. Um, and, uh, some converted churches. Uh, and it's, it's basically, I go to the city and I play for a very small audience of people who are donating money uh, to my crowdfunding campaign.
4: Gotcha. And that's the tour that you're starting on March 10th?
1: That's correct, yes.
4: Awesome, awesome. How much have you raised uh, thus far?
1: Uh, It's getting close to $7,000 right now. Um, This particular tour, um, I mean, the bulk of the crowdfunding campaign, I think, really starts after the Internet, quote-unquote, crowdfunding campaign starts. So, uh, or ends is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. So I've got one month that I announced these, these tour dates a month before, um, the tour starts and the crowdfunding campaign, uh, lasts, lasted for, will last for one month from, you know, the start to the finish. Um, but the thing is that I will continue the crowdfunding campaign going into the future. Like I'll have, tour dates going through until June and there will still be tickets available for the events for the ones that didn't sell out, you know, going until that time, you know? So, uh, the bulk of the the crowdfunding campaign, you know, like as far as it's like web presence or whatever, you know, is one month long, but the real crowdfunding campaign, this thing's going to last for four months, you know, uh, and I'll just keep on going. And, and, uh, you know, I wanted to do an untraditional approach. Like a lot of crowdfunding, they have like this window or wherever where they're doing it, and, you know, success is gauged off of like what happens in that, like, kind of, you know, small amount of time. Uh, I wanted to provide the opportunity for fans all over the world um, who are interested in, in what I do and have been for a long time, as well as new people, with kind of a longer period to, um, Uh, know about it and to actually come in and see it. My hope is that as the tour progresses, more and more people will find out about it and therefore more people will start getting excited and maybe I'll end up adding dates in other places. You know what I mean? And I'll continue doing this thing. Um, I don't know if anybody else has ever done, you know, crowdfunding this way, but the reason why I thought about doing it this way is because I tour so much and it's really what I do best, you know? Um, I enjoy being out there and I enjoy um, interacting with my fans and stuff. And one of the things I don't like about a normal tour where I'm playing in clubs and stuff is that I don't really get the opportunity to speak with everybody that's there. I don't get the opportunity to show them how much they really matter to me and what I do. So I decided that a house concert tour would be a really good way that I could actually from the ground floor, get in front of these people and actually like you know hug all their necks and right. say thank you right
4: that is a great way to kind of get to know people what what are some of the the, the incentives fans get if they invest
1: well the, the first incentive is the ticket price that you know it's just a 25 five dollar ticket to come to one of the shows and with the ticket you get to see the show and you also get a download of two records so the one record is the new album that I'm recording in May, when it's finished, you'll get a digital download of that record. But also the night after you go to the show, the next day, you will get a copy of the show that you were at. So I've got a condenser microphone and I'm recording the room at every single show that I play. And these are all shows that have no PA. It's just my voice and my guitar standing in a room with, you know, uh, with the people that came to the show and um, I record the entire concert and then I upload it to you know uh, to Dropbox and I send it to all of the people who are at the show. So when you come to a show, $25 gets you two albums and a ticket to the show.
4: Gotcha. Uh, yeah. why, why do you think crowdfunding for any other program uh, for artists these days
1: to raise capital for their projects is so important? Um, you know, I think that you know that's a good question. Uh, the day and age where artists are um, out of touch or out of reach, you know, yeah. is is sort of coming to a close. You know, um, you know, nowadays all people who um, produce music or who act or who you know are visual artists. You know, any of these mediums. A lot of the time, these people come into your homes in, in some way or another, you know, um, via you know digital media, via the internet, and um, you know I think that that's made it so that you don't really have the same, uh, you don't put the same monetary value on the art that they create, um, and when that's the case, it can be really difficult to make you know, a living off of just people buying your record or whatever else it is that you do, Um, you kind of have to like really engage them and, you know, like, and get people involved and make them feel like they're really a part of what you do, you know? And the truth is, is that, you know, fans have always been a part of what artists do, you know, Um, really important to me, you know, anybody who, you know, doesn't, adore their fans uh and you know lives off of the interest of their fans i don't know what to tell you those people are probably really awful human beings you know Um, i don't want to speculate further um, but i will say that for myself you know every single person that you know cares about what i do is absolutely vital to me and the the what i think what we're seeing now is that artists really have to like you know get out there and show their appreciation to their fans in a way that they didn't used to have to because there was that cushion and there was that sort of barrier and that barrier is breaking down, you know? And, um, I think for somebody like me, it's very comfortable because I've never particularly felt like being, I don't, I never felt comfortable being put on a, on a pedestal, you know? Right. Um, it gives me the opportunity to be a real person around those people. You know what I mean? Like I can actually be a person in my fans' lives lives, rather than, like, some sort of mythical beast, which I think is, you know, sort of a weird thing to be. You know, I would much rather be an actual person, you know, and and that's what crowdfunding is, and that's why it's becoming so much more, you know, uh, critical, because, you know, artists and fans have to have more of a relationship with each other, and, you know, you kind of have to show people, like, hey, I'm a a good person and I'm doing cool things and we can do these cool things together. You know, are you, so for the new album, are are you with a label right now or I am on a record label yeah, and yeah. you know, this crowdfunding in some ways is to benefit my record label. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, they're a small record label. They put out great artists. Uh, they don't have a lot of, uh, finances, you know, I mean, they're, they, they have some money, uh, which they invest into artists, but they don't have, A huge amount of money and certainly I've been one of the artists that they've invested most heavily in over the years
0: you know and I
1: I, I kind of wanted to be able to help them along the way you know rather than um, them investing a smaller amount of money and getting less of a return I wanted to be able to show up and be like hey I've got I can meet you halfway here you know and we can do something bigger as opposed to like operating always on the smaller scale that we do
4: right well, for, for those fans who have not uh, uh, heard your music, uh, can you describe your music?
1: Um, I mean, it's American music. Uh, I consider myself to be a country singer in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm probably not at all what you consider to be a country music singer the way that a lot of other people consider, you know, or what they think of in their mind as a country music singer. Um, yes, I've got a twangy voice and stuff like that. Um, I don't sing about uh, hanging out on tailgates. Um, and I don't sing about, um, you know, uh, getting the party started or nothing like that. I mean, I tell real stories, a lot of them, uh, heartbreaking, a lot of them from my own personal experience. Uh, you know, um, that's what I do is, um, you know, sing songs that are true. You know, um, and that is what's always attracted me to uh, the country music that I like. you know It's why I was always attracted to folk music and country music and bluegrass uh, and to you know um, punk and hardcore. It's all reality based. It's all about real things, right. you know um, and uh, so that's what I do.
4: Well, I, I think it's a really interesting thing that you're doing, too, with the, the living room and the intimate set setting and stuff like that. So where can we find your crowdfunding info uh, and and where can we check out your music as well?
1: Um, you can find all my crowdfunding info on my website, austinlucas.com. Uh, yeah, you just go in there and there's a crowdfunding link. And uh, there's also, if you go and check out, if you click on shows, there's all the individual shows. You can click on the ticket link at whatever show is in your city and follow it to to get tickets for a show. Been a year on
2: the road Falling apart at the scene I just want to be home But I can't even sleep to dream It would be really fine If I had him will not pretend I will promise you I'll be there when the snow melts and rains no we cannot think there's a lot to take but I'm with
3: you Algorithms can do
2: so much more than control social media feeds In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at CelebratingGreatMinds.org.